Today on Blue 58, let's break all the laws of the known universe. Go back in time and relive some Packers history. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. One very simple topic today, but it's super complicated also and a trope of all science fiction time travel. As you know, I do a little bit of work for the SB Nation blog, Acme Packing Company, blog, website, whatever you call it. And this week, one of the topics we talked about over at that site was a game we'd go back in time to see, or a moment from Packers history we'd love to go back in time to see. And I wanted to expand out on that topic and talk about a few games that I would like to go back and see. In the piece itself, I started with one of the most recent super notable names in uh, super notable games, that is, in Packers history, one that I wish that I really could have seen in person. The 2010 divisional round game against Atlanta in Atlanta. I've been to a lot of different sporting events over my life. Been pretty lucky, been able to go to quite a few. Basketball, baseball, uh, NFL games, NHL games. Even went to a professional lacrosse game once. That was something to see. I don't know anything about lacrosse. I've been to two lacrosse games in my life, and I I only have the vaguest idea of what's going on. But it was fun to see in person, especially at the professional level, because they're they're really, really highly skilled players, and you can tell that they're really good even if you don't know what's going on. I've gotten to see a lot of cool and interesting stuff over the time or over the the games that I've been to. I've seen walk-off home runs. I've seen a couple game-winning shots in basketball, a lot of cool individual stuff, game-winning plays in football. But no really like super crazy individual performance in football. No game where a guy just really got going and you could see him get absolutely dialed in. As I mentioned in the piece that I wrote for Acme Packing Company, the closest like truly thing that I've seen to a truly like transcendent performance was Ben Wallace, then of the Chicago Bulls, pulling down 27 rebounds in a game against the Bucks in Chicago. I, that's not like something you'd really write home about. You wouldn't sit down and tell your kids, I remember the time that Ben Wallace grabbed more than two dozen rebounds in a game. Yeah, his teammates really were having a bad afternoon. And there was a lot of shots for him to to catch after they missed the hoop. He did a good job. He didn't score that many points, like practically none. But uh, 27 rebounds, though, that was pretty cool. You can't really wax eloquent about that the way that you would Aaron Rodgers and what he did to the Atlanta Falcons in that game. But boy, what he did to the Atlanta Falcons in that game. And the stakes of the game and all of that kind of came together and and made it into a super memorable performance. There was even more to that game than he might realize. In, In particular, the defensive stuff. You remember Tremont Williams taking the interception back for a touchdown just before halftime, but he also had another interception in that game, part of a great run in that playoff, uh, that series of playoff games for Tremont Williams. Three interceptions in, in the first two games, just a, a great, a great, um, stretch for him and a big reason the Packers were able to withstand the loss of Charles Woodson in the Super Bowl was because of Tremont Williams being out there. Actually helped break up the pass on on the final play of the, of the Super Bowl that wrapped things up for the Packers. But that was the first and foremost one that I would I would like to see. And I didn't want to spend a ton of time on that one in particular because I already mentioned it in the piece. But check out the full piece. There's some other good ones in there. One of which we'll mention here in just a couple seconds. 
The next game that I would like to go back and see, and some of you may have been to some of these games, and I hope that we have some fun shared memories about these. The next game I'd like to talk about is one that I actually did get to see in person, the 2009 season opener against the Chicago Bears. What happened in that one? Well, the Packers come out on top, 21-15, to 15, which sounds like a you know pretty low-scoring game, not you know super exciting. The Packers actually, or both teams actually, did not hit the over-under on that one. The over-under was 47 points, just 36 combined points in that one, so a little less high scoring than Vegas predicted it would be, but just a beautiful late summer night in Green Bay. 76 degrees for an 8.30 kickoff on September 13th is not too bad. A beautiful night, and I was really lucky to be able to go to this game because I got to go with both of my parents. It's the only time I've ever been able to go to a Packers game Actually, with a family member. Now that I think of it, other than my wife, with whom we went to, I went to a preseason game last year. Um, but outside of that, this is the only game that I've ever attended with uh, one of my parents or or my brother, um, who actually I haven't been to a game with. But being able to go to this game with my parents, uh, actually after the semester had started for college, so I, I came back from Minnesota where I'd been going to school uh, on a, the Saturday before the game. Uh, We went up and tailgated before the game in somebody's yard where we parked. Uh, That was pretty cool. They even let us use their driveway. They offered to let us use their grill, which is just a super Green Bay thing to do because they were going to go off and and watch the game somewhere else or or be inside once they got everybody parked. Uh, But we we just sat in these people's driveway and grilled our our burgers or whatever we had. Brats, I think maybe. Uh, Then headed over the game and had a great time. Beautiful night. And then I actually drove back to Minnesota that night and and got into into Minnesota, into St. Paul at like four in the morning or something like that. Completely worth it being absolutely exhausted in class the next day if I even went to class. Let's be real here. Uh, Probably was not rolling out of bed to to go to the eight o'clock class uh, the Monday after that game. But uh, what an exciting, what an exciting game that was and, and, and fun to be a part of that with my family. Moving right along, let's travel a little bit farther back in time to go to a doubleheader here. Not doubleheader, two games on the same day. That would be impossible, obviously, but two games on one trip. Let's go back to the city of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Let's get in there a day early and arrive on Friday, January 3rd, 1997, because the Packers were about to play the San Francisco 49ers the next day, January 4th, give us some time to settle in, in the divisional round of the 1996 NFL playoffs. The playoffs that would lead the Packers to Super Bowl 31 and their first NFL championship in about 30 years. Of these two games, the doubleheader, the divisional round of the NFC championship game, this was the one I was most unsure about. Thinking back to to rooting for the Packers as a, a grade schooler, I wasn't sure what to think of the 49ers because the, I thought they were going to be pretty pretty good, pretty tough to to take on. But once this game got started, there was pretty pretty much no doubt in your mind because the Packers open up scoring with the 71 yard punt return by Desmond Howard. Then they go up 14 nothing. Pretty quickly after that, it's 21 nothing, and then you're feeling pretty good. Even if the 49ers did later draw it to 21-14, to it never really felt a whole lot like this game was in doubt. Plus, just the weather conditions in this one, absolutely great and terrible at the same time. 
one of those games where the weather is bad, but not like, this is going to sound weird, but not bad in a negative way. It's bad, but in a, a way that you don't necessarily notice it. You can put up with it pretty easily. This was the, the Edgar Bennett mud game, the, the game where he slogged through the Lambeau Field turf, scored two touchdowns, 80 yards rushing, 17 attempts. Between he and Dorsey Levins, they ran the ball 32 times. Brett Favre only threw 15 passes in this game, 79 yards, but he also didn't turn the ball over. Big plus there, as we would see from uh, from him later in his Packers career in the playoffs. That was not always a uh, that was not always a guarantee that he was going to take care of the ball in the playoffs. But the Packers slog through a victory and uh, come out on top, thirty five to fourteen, in a game that may have been a little bit closer than the final score looked. But a week later, as we extend our trip in Green Bay, the Packers are playing in the NFC Championship game, facing the Dom Capers led recently added expansion Carolina Panthers. I don't know about you, but as an eight-year-old Packers fan, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that the Packers were going to win this game. Zero doubt at all. Was absolutely 100% completely certain that this was going to be a Packers win. Imagine my surprise then when the Panthers somehow got out early or to an early seven to nothing lead that was not expected but of course the Packers battle back and end up cruising to a relatively easy 30 to 13 victory and a berth in Super Bowl 31. What I remember about this game is just how different it seemed like it was on a different planet from just the week prior and being able to be there in person and soak up that atmosphere would just be incredible. This game, the kickoff temperature was 5 degrees, 30 degrees, excuse me, 3 degrees, according to ProFootballReference.com, a full 32 degrees different than just a week prior on the very same field. Eight days prior, in fact. This was the rare Saturday to Sunday switch during the playoffs, which is kind of a cool feature of the NFL playoffs. Sometimes you play Saturday, sometimes you play Sunday. Uh, But just being able to be there in person to experience that game where the Packers are on the on the cusp of getting back to where they haven't been in so, so long, would be just just absolutely incredible. Along those same lines, I would like to go back to a different championship game. Not an NFC championship game, but an NFL championship game. Way, 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 way back in 1938. The 1938 NFL championship game, in fact, at the Polo Grounds in New York. This game would be cool for a couple reasons. First, just because of being able to see this game, a game this far back in history. Obviously, that would be that would be cool to go to. I think any fan of football history would want to see the big championship games from just about any era. Uh, but this would be cool, even though the Packers lost 23-17, to for a couple reasons. First, uh, an absolute perfect example of a early professional sports big city game. In a lot of ways, New York is still the center of the universe. Just ask the people of New York. But as the country has become more spread out, New York has mattered less, I think, in the sports scene. It's still a big deal, obviously, but... Back in the 30s, back in the early days of professional football, professional anything, really, New York was everything. It was the big, the biggest of the big cities. And to see a game at that era of just history period 
in the most important city in the United States would be pretty cool. Then to see it at the polo grounds itself would be like a super incredible added bonus. This was already an old stadium by this point, built in the 1880s. Uh, Just an iconic venue for baseball and for football. Being able to see the Packers play there would be a, a just really incredible treat, especially considering the dimensions of this stadium. Look up an aerial view of the the layout of the polo ground sometime and imagine a modern professional baseball stadium looking something like this. The right field line, I'm looking at it right now on Wikipedia, and this may not be entirely accurate, so caveat there, but the right field foul pole at the polo grounds was 258 feet, not even a full football field away from home plate. Um, but watching a, a football game in there, obviously a different experience, but it would be just an absolute treat to see like this crown jewel stadium of the sports world of that era and seeing the Packers play there, even if they didn't win. I would also like to go back and see the ice bowl, obviously, but even more than the ice bowl, if we're going back to, uh, the Lombardi era, what I would like to see, could I hop in the time machine and go back is the actually the NFL championship game from the year before the Ice Bowl. So 1967, the Packers are playing the Cowboys for the right to go to Super Bowl II, but they had actually also played the Cowboys the year prior in the 1966 NFL championship game against the Cowboys. They played this game in the Cotton Bowl on January 1st, so almost like a college bowl game type atmosphere. And the Packers pulled out a 34-27 to win in an absolute nail-biter. It was in, in doubt until the very last play of the game. But what's extra interesting to me about this game in particular, and why I would want to go back to see, to see it, is the game that Bart Starr had that day. He was 19 of 28 passing for 304 yards and four touchdowns in 1966. Well, 1967, technically, uh, January 1st, but 1966 season. 1960s era football, and he's putting up 300 yards and four touchdowns. What does that look like? What is that like? What does that feel like? What does it feel like to see a guy put up those numbers in 60s era football? We've got descriptions of the game. We've got you know reliable newspaper coverage from the 60s. We've got a decent amount of film of games from that era. But that's different than seeing it in person. What is it like to see a passing game execute at that level in 1966? I don't know if you can really answer that without having been there at the time. And I wish I could go back. And that's one of the games that I would go to. Finally, let's round it out by going back to the Packers' very first season in what would become the, uh, the NFL. It wasn't even the NFL in 1921. It was the American Pro Pro Football Association. The Packers were one of 21 teams who lined up for that first season in 1921. I'd like to go back to see a game, a home game in particular from this season, just because I have so many questions about what it was like. First, the Packers weren't even playing at one of their actual stadiums at this point. They were playing at Hagemeister Park. What is that like? What was it like to see a game there? And again, I know we've got descriptions, but those don't do it justice. What does it feel like to watch a professional football game in 1921? 
Do people know what it's like to watch a game? Do people know how to act? How familiar are they? Is it is it a curiosity? Is it a carnival? Well, who knows? Then what is it actually like to watch the game? What is football like in 1921? And again, we've got descriptions of this stuff, but I don't think you can really understand it unless you get to see it in person. What is Curly Lambeau's Notre Dame box offense like? What what do they do on defense? What are their tactics? How did how do they defend the notable players on the other team? How familiar even are they with the notable players on the other team? Do they they know beyond like box score type information what these guys are going to do? Can they? What difference does it make? Do, do they factor those things in? And then finally, the other thing that I would always like to know about these historical games, could I have snuck onto the field and not been found out as a complete imposter? I always wonder how far back the average in-shape dude would have to go, how how far back in time would you have to go to be indistinguishable from a uh, professional athlete? And I'm betting that most of us who work out semi-regularly in the 1920s would at least be able to hold our own if you don't mind getting your face smashed in. And maybe if you're a good enough athlete, you can avoid that. Just because of how different, you know, sports and nutrition and exercise and working out. I mean, even as late as the 1960s, people thought were, were skeptical about things like lifting weights, drinking water during exercise. I mean, stuff is, that we take absolutely for granted that you should 100% be doing today People were like, eh, not so sure about that. Are you really sure you want to be lifting weights? You might get bulkier. You might get too bulky and inflexible, as though being bulky would be a bad thing in the game of football. I I wonder what the attitudes would be like, and I wonder how out of place you would feel. Could you even, like, if you, if you lined up, if you showed up for practice in 1921 or managed to convince Curly Lambeau to sign you to a contract, would you even know what to do? I wonder how different the game actually was and what it would be like to try to fit in with it. Anyway, and I realize this is a, a really simple, perhaps unusual topic uh, to spend an entire podcast episode on, but I couldn't stop thinking about this after writing about it for, uh, for Agni Packing Company a little bit. I would like to know your answers, though. What moment in Packers history would you go back to see in person? I've given you a few of mine. I would like to hear from you. Let me know via social media, via email, via the contact page at thepowersweep.com what your answer would be. Where would you go back in history? We'll share some of those answers on an upcoming episode of Blue 58. I'm very interested to see what you come up with. And if you've been to a game in person, I'm especially interested to know if there's one that you would go back to because I've shared that one that I went to, the 2009 game. And uh, I'm interested to see if there's any that you would like to see again. That's all I've got for you on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Do appreciate it. Uh, If you would like to get in touch, you know how to do that. Uh, Reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter or by emailing thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out. If you like what you heard and want to support the show and help us keep things going, the best way to do that is to leave a rating or a review on whatever podcast app that you use if they allow you to do just that. It does help more people find the show. 
If you'd like to support us in other ways, the best way to do that is by heading to patreon.com slash thepowersweep. One dollar per month helps us offset our hosting costs for this podcast and for our website, and also gets you access to some of our bonus content, which we have started putting out on our Patreon page. I will share a couple samples of those as we continue to do those things on the main pod so you don't miss out entirely. But if you want the full content, if you want the full experience, you got to throw in a dollar a month. And the way I see it, that's like eight and a half cents per podcast. So I think you can spare a dime per show to support us on, on Patreon if you're willing to do that. As always, never hesitate to reach out, give feedback, whatever. Anything you do helps us make this show and the Power Suite better, which furthers our mission of helping Packers fans everywhere become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.